Hey, what's up everyone? It is Pastor Marcus here from the storychurchproject.com. Welcome to the Story Church Project podcast where our focus is how to redesign the local Adventist church to tell its story loud to a culture that is no longer listening. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear and that it inspires you to make a difference in your local church today. Hey, what's up everyone? It's Marcus here. Welcome back to the Story Church Podcast. Today I want to talk about the local Adventist church and I want to talk about how to connect our local churches with the culture. And so I want to have this conversation and I want to ask some tough questions about it um, with the co-founder of The Restore Project and I'm going to let him talk about what that is. His name is Daniel J. Blyden. He's going to join me today as we discuss this topic. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Dude, it's super cool to have you um, on the podcast. We actually interacted online not too long ago when I did the question and answer uh, episode for the podcast, and you were the guy who asked the question about metamodernism. I remember that. Um, yeah. And then we've been talking ever since, and and I found yeah. out you're doing some really amazing things, and, and I want to get to know that and explore that a little bit as, as we dig into this question today. But first, before we get into yeah. all that, um, tell us a little bit about the legend of Daniel Blyden. <laughs> um, so I'm from Birmingham, UK, um, which is like the second city. Most of you will have probably heard of London, but Birmingham's like the kind of next biggest city in the in the country. I've been born and raised here. Um, my background and my family is from the Caribbean. Um, my grandparents are from the Caribbean, and my my, my parents um, were born here, and I was born here too. I've been born and raised in the Seventh-day Adventist church and I guess my experience of like kind of growing up in churches, I have um, always been really quite engaged like from a young age and then sort of in my teens and then maybe a bit later in my early 20s I became more sort of just sitting there um, on a Sabbath in the church and sort of... um, yeah, most of the time just turning up and just being a body in the room and my, my mind and heart elsewhere. Until um, I met my friend Kieran, um, who is the other one of the founders of the Restore Project. In terms of work, work-wise and, and like sort of career passions, interests, pursuits, I was always interested in creativity and the arts and design and culture and. I guess uh, that in and of itself is, 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 for me, it's all about the imagination and, and, and thinking differently about things and asking questions about the mystery of life and um, sort of pursuing all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, being in a position where you're kind of told this is the way and you'll do things this way, but always being curious about the other <laughs> was this kind of like... Um, thing that I that was going on inside of me like right up until my 20s so um eventually like in this kind of community of friends that are kind of um explained that I'd become a part of with Kieran and others uh, we started to do other types of ministry projects um and little experiments and from sort of um going on the buses 
and just having discussions about God like out in the open and um, having Bible studies on the bus, just going around the cities. Um, a group of us, that was like one of the first sort of like outreach things that we sort of did. Um, and people started eavesdropping on our conversations and joining in. And we knew that and then became intentional about it. Um, and bus, bus ministries became a thing. So we just meet, pray, get on a random bus, go around the city and um, talk about God on the bus and talk about um, spirituality and stuff. And through that, made friends, met new people. Um, other things that we did were sort of um, uh, making our own sort of literature tracks, like using our creativity to do stuff like that. Mm. Um, and another project more recently, well, not that recently actually, I think 2014, another thing that we've done was using our creativity to, um, so I programmed an um, art exhibition called the IQ Project, which was exploring the, um, the deep innermost questions of life sort of thing through art. And I had a friend in the city centre who had a shop front where he created a home for sort of emerging artists and creatives in the city. And there was sort of like a little co-working space in the back where they produced their stuff. And then they had a small gallery space in the front window. And um, I saw I saw this as an opportunity to create up some kind of exhibition that brought together that eventists to produce artwork and display it in the front yeah um, and so what that did was it evoked people's curiosity um, when they walked past the window to just come and have a look at the work and then that opened up the space for conversation about um about spiritual things um and i think that point was a bit of a shift for me because i realized that i could sort of use creativity in multiple different ways to do different things that actually connected people to us in a much more um, relevant way, I guess, and, and open open up the space without like invading their space. Yes. So people act I like off that. their own curiosity. Yeah. Act off their own curiosity and then ask us questions because we've made a sort of. Mm. Um, I, I like the way you framed it, like. Um, open up the space without invading their space. That's yeah, a, that's a yeah. good frame. And, and you know, as, <laughs> as you're sharing this, um, it's actually really like really exciting for me. I um, uh, I know that you are uh, acquainted with with Shelly Poole, so I'm just gonna give her a shout yeah. out right now. Hey Shelly! Oh yeah. Um, Shelly Poole here in Australia. Like uh, this is you know what you're describing is is a project that she's been really eager to get off the ground here, um, using well, art and you know. This yeah. is it, like uh, uh, Shelly, me and Shelly are like a kindred spirit in that respect. Like she, mm. she found uh, found out about me because I'd done the exhibition, um, uh, and it went in Adventist World. Yes. And then she she found it online, and then she invited me over to uh, join you guys at, um, in Australia at the Manifest um, conference, which was like a festival of creativity, and nothing like that happens here in the UK. So I was really mm. excited to be brought over there. Yeah, and uh, Shelley made it like possible, and then we've kept in touch ever since. And um, she's talked about ideas of doing stuff in Australia and of both the plans what she's got and the, the ideas that she's got are absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I'd love I'd love to have her on um, on the podcast soon to talk about her ideas and her passion and stuff. But I think there's something really yeah. beautiful in 
in in what you guys are doing because it's you know the ability to use art to communicate faith to people is is powerful like in so many ways and it's it's not the focus of today's talk but man like we could go on about that for a long time because you're right like it is a way of inviting conversation um without without invading people and people's space you know allowing them to explore and connect with the art and sort of experience it for themselves and have that you know without it being forced which i, I just think is brilliant i think it's awesome so um but hopefully when i get yeah. shelly you know if she's if she's keen um on the podcast then we can talk about that a little bit more but i i want to i want to switch gears here a little bit because <clears throat> i want to talk to you about um about the you know about the restore project because one of your focuses on the restore project is the is the local church and, and connecting the local church to the culture um and so my question for you and and this is a question that i think you know it's not really a question that's debated but i always love to hear a person's perspective anyway um and 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 that question that i want to open this up with is um is there a disconnect between the local church and its surrounding culture uh is there a disconnect do you perceive it what does it look like um so i think that let's start with thinking about the local the local church um i think that a lot has changed in terms of our idea of the local church and how that actually works since the founding of the ch of our Adventist church as a as a global sort of institution, if you will, mm -hmm. um, the local church, um, how people relate to what is local has changed a lot, um, particularly with um, developments in technology and how people move around in terms of transportation and stuff like people's local church is not necessarily always local to where they live um, because people will shop around for what church that they want to go to at least that's what I've seen here yeah. or, or they'll move around from church to church wherever their friends are they'll move to that that place so mm. this idea of the church being very local to their local surroundings is, is no longer necessarily the case we have to be intentional about that again to bring that back and mm. um, so um, I think people 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 here will travel across the city to go to their local church that's right um, yeah. to to be a part of the congregation and miss like two or three churches along the way um, <laughs> so, so true, it's not it's not necessarily the local the idea of the local church is no longer what it was and i think that's something that we have to rethink so mm. in restore projects so we, so you we, do we think that about... that's problematic that that people are um you know that local churches aren't really local anymore like you you, you don't you see that as there's something that it's, we need to recapture not, i don't think it's necessarily problematic i think it's just something that we have to name mm. and design around yeah um and design our structures around that because we still, I think, in the way, if you look at like sort of how we talk about things and how we how things are designed, maybe in 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 the way the church is structured, like it's still got this ideology that people are going, like maybe walking down the road to their church and that's where they and their church is um, they're directly um, connected to whatever institutions around. Mm. Um, or, or communities, things that are around that particular locality. Yeah, we have this ideology. I think that's embedded in the way we think and talk about it. And so, um, connecting with the local, um, the local 
for me is a bit different now. Yeah. Um, so this is something that we've kind of acknowledged and started to think about in, in Restore. Um, well, I want to I want to dig into that a little bit because, like, this is actually a conversation I have with my colleagues a lot, and I and I feel their frustration mm. because I share it. Um, and and so I've been wrestling with this very thing you're talking about for a while without any real solution in sight. I've been wrestling with the the idea of a local church, um, yeah. you know, and 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 the beauty of that with with people actually living in the community that their church is and they minister to. Yeah. And um and I've been also wrestling with the real pragmatic challenge that they're just not like that anymore. And so usually yeah. when I chat about this with my colleagues. Um, the, the the conversation usually revolves around we need to get back to the local church. You know, people need to stop, you know, sort of driving these long distances and, and being disconnected yeah. from the community. And we need to we need to fix that. And in my head, I guess I haven't figured out exactly like how, like, how do you fix that? Like the world has changed. Technology has evolved. Transportation yeah. is yeah. something that it never was. So it's not yeah. like we're just going to suddenly stop people, you know, from from traveling long distances to their church. But kind of what I hear you saying yeah. is that what you're what you're aiming to do is think of, you know, like how can we make how can how can we use this in a positive way? Uh, is is that what yeah. I'm hearing or yeah, just just expand on that. Well, this is how I've been thinking about it and but I, yeah, I I don't have the answers to this, um but there are a couple of different things that we've been thinking about. Um so where's it going to start from? So the question is around like whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. I think um, so with Restore, where it's really become evident is that we we part of Restore Project is a church plan, and we started this church plan with an idea to like kind of look at how you see the different sort of model or culture into the church from the beginning and um, how we can involve people in the leadership of that church from a very early stage, whether, where, wherever they are on their spiritual walk. Um, and what, how our church plan has, been come, has come about is that there's an area of our city where there's little to no Adventist presence. Mm. So our church officially has been planted in a particular part of the city However, none of us live in that area, um, and I don't think there are many Adventists that do live right right in that area. It's a very sort of more affluent part of the city, and it's near close to a university, so a lot of the residents around there are students. So that provides in itself an opportunity. However, um, what that means is that people's connection to that location, that locality will be potentially transient and temporary um, because students will be living there while they're studying and then they'll move on or whatever. So that sort of long-term kind of planting of a church in that area is is, going to take something a little different and we're still figuring out what that is. Um, But but what we do at the moment is, because we obviously don't have our own building or anything yet, we hire out a community space in the area and we're looking to be a bit more intentional intentional about activities that we, we, we do in that area of the city, um, whether it's turning up to events and um, sharing a thing, uh, like maybe open mic nights or putting on our own sort of things in, in the community there. We're going to be turning our attention a lot more to there. 
But at the same time, as I said, none of us actually live in that area. Some of us live closer to it, but none of us live right there. Um, so how our church has been designed in this sort of like church planting phase is we, 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 we don't just do uh, Sabbath gatherings, like uh, worship services um, in, in that area of the city. We uh, move from our move between our houses and do house church um and that's partly because we're we're not the restore project as a whole isn't just focusing on like that one church we're trying to like restore like restore god's church and how it works across our city and thinking about our whole city um but recognizing as well in the early church that the disciples moved around a lot as well um, that that's a big part of how the church movement grew, and you also mm-hmm. see in the um, pioneers and stuff they they didn't even they didn't just stay one place either. Yep. So we work we're working that into our model, mm-hmm. in the hope that also like the rest of the churches will kind of think start to think about this, and it will open up that conversation about like um, yes we have um, our local churches, but the building is not. The church we are the church so we should be carrying the church with us wherever we go so just because we may not have um we may not live in that area doesn't mean that the church can't be there it can yeah. still be there we can be we can build relationships with people in those areas because we can we can get to those places mm. and the church then becomes the church as a building becomes an asset that we use for the for the for the wider mission. So a few years ago, I had this idea about well, what if our membership of the Seventh-day Adventist Church wasn't about um, a particular being connected to a particular building in a particular location? Your membership wasn't connected to that. You were just a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in your city, and you could use the assets of the buildings to put on whatever things. Um, or work with whoever you want to work with or um, we share the stuff a lot more collectively and what mm. that might do it's a bit like out there at the moment but I, I started to think about like well, what if we looked at our collective assets in the city and shared them between our community across the city to do different things whether it be um, community projects like events maybe cooking classes and all these sorts of things because some churches have more resource than others some yeah. buildings have more more stuff and are more suitable to certain activities some have big halls some just have small rooms you could do counseling sessions in something more comfortable and more contained you could do do you know what i mean so yeah. this think looking at the collective assets of the city and then whoever lives closest to those churches could run things from those places um, a lot easier or be there to open up for do you know what I mean because you live next door you can open up for somebody who's coming across the city because they've got certain skills to open to come and run something in this space mm-hmm. we could think a bit more shared about things maybe yeah maybe that's something to explore because mm. um, of the way people um, move around um, in a sort of I don't know Airbnb type way <laughs> <laughs> and you have a platform to unlock these places and do 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 this sort of thing, and maybe maybe that's a, a way to reframe what 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 what's happening, and mm. and think differently about, about how we organize around it. Yeah, so there's a sense in which we're we're like we're rethinking and adjusting 
um, to what the local church is, or what we mean by that. Um, yeah. And then there's the culture as well. So, like, what 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 do you, what would you say is the cultural milieu that you see right now surrounding the church? Um, so I think that the church isn't disconnected from the culture per se. Well, I wouldn't even say the culture is a monolith, like it's this one thing. Um, there's many cultures that exist in the places we live and people come from different different cultures and do things different ways. Like whether the place you work is different from the place you live and the community that you connect with. Like people have different cultures. Um, what we see in the media is one depiction of particular ideas, but that's not everything. Like everyone mm. still has their own things and, and their own ways of being and doing. Um, I think I think that we, we as a church, we, we're not disconnected from the culture in the sense that what we do, what people do in the week, they're always interacting with people that are not part of our church community. Most people will whether it's at their workplace or um, in their neighbourhoods, like you, 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 you have an opportunity to connect with the culture. I just think that, like, what we, we're not, we're not, um, we don't create the space in our church communities in that in that kind of so-called sort of sacred time together. We don't talk about what people are perceiving or what ha the conversations that people are having with with people that are not necessarily part of our community. We don't interpret that, we don't make sense of any of that mm -hmm. and what's going on in in community. I think if if anything, the only thing that we do see is these sorts of signs of the times presentations that are just interpreting what's going on in the media and what they see on the news, which is just one perspective. Um, and then we kind of hack that into our ideas of end-time prophecy or whatever. Um, but interpreting of the culture, I think for me, is, and connecting with the culture is just about the relationships that you build with everyday people and how we make sense of what's going on in our, our communities and where there's opportunities to connect with people or how people are thinking. Um, in terms of like my design background, there's, um, so there's tools that we sometimes use when, we, when we're designing to empathise with people and some of the questions around those are like what are people saying and doing, what are people thinking and feeling, what are people hearing and what's influencing them, what sort of their pains and what are their motivations, uh, what are their aspirations, like do we understand some of these things around what, what's really driving people, do we have time to have that meaningful conversation to get behind to get into some of those things. And I think those are the things that shape culture mm. and shape um, how people live and work and move around um, in our communities. So some, I think making space for some of these conversations is, is key in, in, in how we, we um, interpret and, and connect in with, with the culture. Uh, but I think by virtue of us living in sharing the same space we all share the same sky we all share the same land in our communities we're, we're proximate to the culture already we're just not mindful about what's going on with it and we're not 
interpretive or um, making space to, to make sense of people's experiences with what's going on around them because it does shape us. It does mm. it does influence whether we like it or not. We think we're in the world but not of the world, but everything around us does impact us and shape us. And I love what you're saying about, you know, the, the simplicity of relationship because you know, like really, I totally agree, man. Like at the at the end of the day, when when you really boil it down, the you know culture is very multifaceted. Um, sometimes yeah. you'll hear people talk about, and, and you know, and I have these conversations um, here on the Story Church project as well, and uh, looking at uh, you know how to connect with postmoderns, how to connect with secular culture. Um, that's that's yeah. essentially the focus of the Story Church project. Is right, how do we create a church? that is connecting with secular Western culture, you know, post-Christian, post-truth, et cetera. Um, mm. and, and I recently just uh, just released the, the ebook, um, How to Study the Bible with Postmoderns. But one of the things that I identify in this ebook, which you've, you've, you've identified as well, is that um, the, the greatest school of evangelism is the table. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. Like, if you want to learn how to reach people, you got to yeah. sit at the table with people. You got to interact in, in real relationships. Uh, because yeah. at the end of the day, like, you know, you can you can read books about postmodernism. You can read books about post-industrialism and secularism and new and the new humanism. Yeah. And, and it's endless. It's endless. The, yeah. the nuances in culture are ridiculously endless. But what yeah. I have found yeah. by sitting down at the table with people is that no one is ever fully anything. Like there's, I've never yeah. met like a 100% postmodern. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, yeah. although although I have studied with people who are very, and I, I talk about them in the book, you know, who I would consider the poster children of, of postmodernism, you know, very postmodern, yeah. you know, they, they sort of fit the, 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 um, the caricature that we often paint of a postmodern, very, very similar yeah. to that. But even then, when, when you really get down to it and you get down to the heart and in relational connection, you have these discussions, you discover that they're way more complicated than any sort of one philosophical system could, could you know, <laughs> can conceptualize and contain. And so at the end yeah. of the day, it doesn't matter what ism is out there. You know, like I was even talking with one of my, one of my colleagues here um, uh, about metamodernism. Um, yeah. After I published a book, we got into a conversation about metamodernism. And he asked me the question, he's like, you know, does, does relational connection, you know, is that the answer? And, and, and what I said to him was, you know, honestly, when it comes to connecting with people, relationship tends to break through any ism that you find, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I just want to sort of throw that out there and get, get your thoughts on that a little bit because um, you kind of started down that track and I, and, and I, I think it's so true, man. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think um, that you have to also genuinely care um you have to genuinely it's that it's that love that christ has and puts in us that we have to like find to to do that work of relating to people um and finding a way to sort of like build a connection with them and, and gen genuinely do it not because you want to recruit them but because you actually love them and care for their well-being and their welfare whatever path they choose to take that should be the starting point because people could smell if you have an agenda that's right um, or you're just trying <laughs> to make friends with them for um to recruit them into your belief or your way of thinking people can see that coming um so it's it's 
I think sometimes we we think we're building relationships, but we're our cut off point is if they decide that they don't want to go down the way that we decide that they should kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so the, this is about genuine genuine care and not just because we want them to come to our way of thinking. Um, and another thing that came to mind is um, so so in terms of like localism and um, building relationships in the people around us and being very local. I think there is also this sort of movement towards that um, being very localised and rooted in a specific place Mm. and neighbourhoods in the Christian kind of denomination at at large. So um, um, recently I've I've had um, connection with something called the New, New Parish Collective, which is about the old idea of the church being part of a parish, um, which is a like sort of geographic location, um, the neighbourhood, and churches were very much back in the day set to serve a particular parish, um, and our churches, as I say, are modelled on some of that stuff and those ideas, but the people are not necessarily connected to that place. So there's this movement in the new parish collective to reconnect people with that place, but it's not about them like being forced to like be a member of a particular church in a particular location. It's about the the ways that they're bringing um, a sort of com- the building community in that local area. So what they're doing with their neighbours, what community projects are you trying to do? Like are you like things like community gardens and um, sharing cooking and all these kind of things. Like how do we cultivate some of those activities in, in local in our local communities to 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 build more stronger neighbourhoods mm. um, and stronger communities. So there's an interesting move around that um, to to sort of get back to that local idea, but it's not um, it's not um, oblivious to the fact that like people move around a lot and their communities are not just where they live. Yeah, yeah. The communities are across different um, geographic boundaries, so they, their whole thing is like. Um, um, to to sort of grow roots and 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 have links globally or or around so that you can sort of bring whatever that you learn from your links outside of your neighbourhood into your local community. Um, so it's it's interesting. What something that we've been thinking about as well. Um, um, I think we're going to talk more about that in some of our pulpit jam episodes down the line. But um, I think like. Again, back to the the question about relationships and building them, we do we do need to be close to people as well. So that's where I think the local idea is is about like how 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 often do you get like face to face contact with people and yeah and how how proximate are you <clears throat> to them to build those relationships um, and so that that relational thing becomes easier in 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 a in the local like context like if you're if you if you live close to each other in theory um you should you, you probably see each other more often and have more of an opportunity to build a relationship and become more familiar um so that that relationship building the idea is that it's easier if it's if it's in a local place um so yeah 
Yeah. Well, there's a there's a question that sort of emerges in, in everything that you're describing right now. And um, where, what would you say is is the main, if you could identify one, right? Like if you could identify, look at the local Adventist church on, on a, you know, generally speaking and say, um, you know, here there's there's a sense in which we're 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 failing to. Uh, not so much connect as you were saying earlier um in, in the sense that we're not we're not rubbing shoulders with people but there's a sense in which we're failing to to really speak and translate the gospel into into their present experience um <laughs> if you could identify like one sort of you know like catalyst of that like this is this is probably one of the reasons why we tend to 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 not do that, like what would it be? I think we make too many assumptions about how things are, and we don't ask enough questions. And we don't like inquire enough. Yeah. We just ask lots of questions in this time, and um, I think we've we've, we've we've stopped stopped doing that. Um, we think we have all the answers, but we don't ask enough enough questions, and and, and don't like sit with the uncertainty a lot enough of like what we know about people and how things are today. Yeah. Um, I think so you that's think, you think we've, we've always got to have the answer. Yeah. And we don't yeah. sit with the question and with the uncertainty long enough. Yeah. That's the, when it comes to, when it comes both to getting to know people and it, when it also comes to sharing the word with people, um, we think we, I think we know we make we, we go off our assumptions too much. I think, mm. um, uh, rather than doing keeping it open and being uh, approaching things with an open mind, and also like how our how our how our church is led. Like I think we can be much more facilitative of people and their journeys and mm. the questions they have to draw things out of people. And draw their own like views and interpretations out of them, to in order to help to usher them along, um, or signpost people to to where that where the clues for the answers are in the word, in in nature, like in yeah. So from 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 where where truth can be found, like guiding them to where truth can be found based on what they're really asking, as opposed to yeah um what we think they're asking or what what we think they should be asking so let me let me share a scenario with you and and let me know if this sort of encapsulates what what you're saying um i've seen this many times in in many churches that i've been to where um not necessarily churches that i've worked in but certainly many churches that i've been to where you'll have a group of people um god bless them with a with a with a heart they want to reach out and that's always to be celebrated. Always, yeah. um, they want to reach out, and um, but when it comes down to to reaching out, they'll sit down in a room and they'll pontificate with one another about what they should do to connect with the community, uh, but they never actually ask the do community. It. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like they'll just 
oh, you know, like they might look at, um, you know, a, a book someone wrote. Oh, look, this is a program that someone did in their church and it worked really well. Let's try it in ours to connect with our community. Yeah. And and I'll hear a lot of assumptions flying around. You know, people will say, yeah. oh, you know, this is this is what young people like or um, this is what, you know, this is, you know, like, for example, people will do like health ministry. And I love health ministry. I'm like a huge fan of health ministry. One of my churches actually um, does health ministry and they do it really, really well. Um, but I've seen this in some other churches where like people will talk about, oh, you know, if we, if we start a health ministry and we do this and that, and, and they're, and they're talking about solving problems that they're not even sure anyone in the community <laughs> has. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like I said, a missional heart is always to be celebrated. So I don't want to come across as critical, but I think that that's what you're getting at. It's like, we, we, there's too many assumptions. We're, we're not asking enough questions. We're not wrestling enough, you know, whether it's going to the local council and finding what the issues are in that community or going door to door yeah. with a survey, if, if that works in your region, you know, we, we need to ask more questions and, and sit with those um, before just rushing off to, oh, here's the solution and here's my theory and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that, that that's a part of it. And I think in, in terms of Restore, we've been thinking about like, when it comes to people's convictions and how they want to, how the, how the spirit moves them to, to do to to build initiatives um, that are about connecting with people who may not be from the same um, background as us and connecting with others. Um, how do we, rather than like the existing structure where people have to be in a, be elected into a particular post or um, be given affirmation officially from the church board that you can do this ministry or you can do this thing that that god's put on your heart um we just all we all we kind of doing is um trying to resource people to do what it is that they're moved to do whether that be um using our, our networks using our our financial resource or um or our people people just backing others like this there's something about when when you know you've got a group of people that have your back that you can, you, you, that people will galvanize whatever your idea or your cause is, that gives people a, a, cer a certain confidence to go and do the things that is that God's called them to do. I think a lot of the tensions come when we're trying to do this, because pe people have convictions to do certain things, but um, when we try to organize around them collectively, it begins, it, it, it becomes difficult for them to actually materialize. So when you mm. say people are sat around sort of pontificating about like, how what how they should go about what they're doing but they're never actually doing it it's often because they're trying to figure out how to work together but if so if one person's really got the um the conviction to do it, how can they know that they have the back of their uh, that the church community has their back to move around their vision and, and contribute to them and 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 then that will be reciprocated with with others so we, we've started to see this happen in restore like we've had certain um members of our church community who have had ideas. I want to go out into the city centre and share tracks like he's down right now. A group of people will follow them. Some people will probably stay back because they don't feel like that's what they want to do. And it's cool because a group of people have gone out and done something. Others have been like, uh, I want to start a music event in a cafe. Um, and this is something I really want to do before a certain time. He's up for that. Um, and then like that's actually happened. And um, a session actually happened um, very quickly because people just sort of mobilised around 
a different thing and it's never like just we're doing the same activity over and over it's people's people uh, move with like what what someone's idea is and like enrich it by bringing themselves to it or what they can contribute at that time um, and I think that this is this this kind of culture is what we're trying to to grow and see how far it can take us and um, how that that meets different needs that we probably would have never thought about. Yeah, absolutely. If that makes sense. And, and I love that because, um, you know, I, like I believe anyway, like when, when you empower people to, to use the gifts that God has given them and, and the interests that he's given them to build his kingdom, you, you, yeah. you're not simply empowering them to, to a task. Um, you are empowering them to connecting because when, when someone yeah. is, is using what God has gifted them with to, to, to grow his kingdom, they're, they're able to connect. They're able to, yeah. you know, yeah. it's not just like, oh, here's the church manual and here's the list of ministries and everyone has to fit into one of these. And so we just shove people in there because we want to fill them. And then the person's in yeah. there and that's not their gift and it's not their skill. And so they do their best, but they're so busy trying to figure out how to do it right or how to do it, period, yeah. that they're not connecting. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not training others. They're not equipping others. They're not inspiring others. And they're not excited to even share with their neighbors or friends necessarily what it is they're doing because it's not it's not for them. You know, so what you're saying is, you know, we, we got to put that sort of structure that 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 containment to the side and just allow people the freedom to really be discipled and and to really be disciple makers by using the gifts that God has given them to to reach out and connect. And that's powerful. Yeah. Like that's so powerful. And I'll tell you, you know, just one yeah. more thing that's that's going through my head um, as you're sharing that is that oftentimes when we talk about the challenges that the local church is facing and we talk about, you know, connecting with the the secular world, they're connecting with our neighbors, connecting with the, the, the surrounding culture. Um, it, it's almost like we we come to that conversation expecting that the solution is something complicated. You know, like yeah. we need some yeah. strategy with, you know, like yeah. <laughs> with like seven, seven phases and, you know, color oh, codes and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's always... I'm surprised and shocked repeatedly that the more I dive into this conversation, how simple the solutions are. Like they're oh, yes. not yeah. like you don't need someone with a PhD in church growth. You know, it's in many ways it's common sense, you know, like, I mean, we've got you here on the podcast sharing with us how important it is for people to use their gifts. And it's like, wow, that's so cool. That's so, but at the same time, when you think about it, it's like, how come we don't know that already? Like, it's so obvious. You know? <laughs> we're, yeah, we're... and I think we talk about it a lot, but what happens is it, it gets, um, people end up getting typecasted into particular roles as well for long periods of time. Mm. And, they, and then their whole work gets bound up around that one thing that they've been doing for, for two to three to four, five years, even 10 years in the church. And then when every, anything changes, then they've lost their identity within this community. They've always done the personal ministries role. I've always been the health minister. Um, some of these things, I think, also like kill people's um, a, a ability to just be human and use the multiple aspects of who they are to reach others. 
So I think they can only come at it through their lens of like what they've always been doing in the church community. And I think what we just really need to do is just be a resource to to scaffold people's gifts and talents and ideas when they're just about to get, when when they have that inspiration of, of the spirit to like move towards something, how do we just support them or nudge them or or, or just resource them in that that thing or mobilize around them for that period of time because people change over time and people's interests mm-hmm. and skills and abilities grow and fluctuate and according to like various peaks and troughs in their life circumstances change and it's never the same thing over and over. We need to be more present in like what what people know. If I said I was good at design back then. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's what I want to do today, yeah. um, or, or what I can, well, what I have capacity to do today. How else am I being moved? Can I just hold a dinner at my home and just invite some people that you know, and we'll just get together and and kind of just like you know. So, yeah, can the church be more like that? Is is what I think um, will help us to connect to the the culture and be more more relevant. <laughs> Uh, absolutely, man. And look, I know this isn't easy. Um, we're we're getting ready to wrap up now because we're, we're we're running out of time. Um, but I know that this yeah. isn't easy, especially for those listening to the podcast who are pastors, because I'm there. And and sometimes you end up in local churches that are are so entrenched in the way they've always done things that it's very difficult to even, you know, um, to even fathom the idea of of changing those things. I saw a quote this week. I forgot who. I think it, man, who shared it? I, some some pastor on Facebook. I can't remember his name, but it was something along the lines of, you know, like young pastors. You know, like young pastors think they're gonna change the world, and then they get fired for like changing the bulletin. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like I know oh, that it's, it's tough, and and it's a tough culture, um, and yet, you know, I, I think thinking about it and praying about it and, and being in that mind and that headspace of saying, God, how can you use me to be a change maker um, and, and bring these changes, simple, simple changes into the church, you know, changes like how can we rethink the way we do nominating committees so that we're empowering people to use their gifts as opposed to filling in roles that are sitting in a manual that somebody wrote in an office on the other side of the country, you know, and I'm not knocking yeah. the manual. I'm not, not knocking those roles. But we have to take it, bring it into the local context and contextualize it and say, well, is this really going to yeah. be beneficial for us? And so I just want to encourage, you know, the, the pastors and, and even elders, and et cetera, who are listening in and thinking, you know, I really want to make these changes, but sometimes it can be a bit scary. Um, you know, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm praying for you. And, uh, and, and, I, and I really mm-hmm. wish that the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you in the most wise way to do this. Because, you know, what you've been saying, Daniel, you know, this really, really simple thing, like empowering people to use their gifts. I mean, the act of not doing that disconnects us from the world around us in so many ways. It's it doesn't sound like you know the the, the most important thing, but it, it really is these little practical things, is these little everyday things that we repeat that either kill us as a local church or help us to thrive. And I'm reminded of um, Jim Rohn, Daniel. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jim Rohn. He was a, a, a no. entrepreneur, American entrepreneur. He died some years ago. Um, and he said something really interesting, and I'm paraphrasing it here. I'm not saying it as cool as he did, but he said something interesting in one of his talks. He said that um, failure is not a cataclysmic event. Failure is poor decisions, simple, small decisions repeated every day. That's what failure is. 
You know, it's not mm-hmm. like one major, oh my goodness, I'm bankrupt, I failed. You know, you, you're bankrupt, you know, like this small, <laughs> simple, dumb decisions that you repeated every single day that led you there. Mm. And and he says that on the flip side, success is the same thing. Success is not some major, you know, epic event, you know, where the angels come and the light shines and there's, you know, choirs singing. Success is simple, disciplined decisions repeated every day. You know, you, you make the mm. right decision and it's simple and it's small and it's not sexy. It's just something really simple, but you repeat it every day and it piles on like a brick wall. It just builds up and builds up. And next thing you know, you've got a church culture that is connecting yeah. and impacting its community. And and, and that's really what it's about. So it's a small, simple decisions. Daniel, before I let you go, man, because we're out of time, um, I want to ask you one last question. You know, guys have been listening to this podcast, guys and gals, they've been listening and they've been thinking, you know, I, I, I like I, I like what this, you know, Restore Project thing is aiming to do and is aiming to accomplish and what, what Daniel has been sharing. How can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? How can they hear your podcast and all that good stuff? Okay, so you can hear more about Restore Project on the podcast, which is called The Pulpit Jam. And you can find Pulpit Jam on iTunes or Spotify and also on Podbean as well. You can search on there. And then for Restore, um, we have a church. The website for the church is church.restoreproject.co.uk. And then you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Restore the Love. Um, yeah, and you can connect with us on there. If you have any questions or any comments, like, just hit us up. So Instagram and Facebook, it's Restore the Love is the handle. Yeah. All right, yeah. sweet, awesome, man. I'm gonna post. Uh, I'm gonna post the links um, at the bottom of the SoundCloud um, episode, and also on the Story Church Project blog. It'll be on there. Uh, if you're listening in on iTunes or Spotify um, or some other host, you might not see those, but just head over to thestoryChurchProject.com. You can find those links. Uh, other than that, look, Daniel, man, thank you so much for having taken the time to hang out today with the Story Church podcast and share with us uh, your thoughts and your My passion pleasure. for the for the local church and, and how we can connect with the world around us. Um, and before I let you go, I just want to let everyone know, um, just a reminder for those of you who probably um, have seen it already and have forgotten, or an announcement for those of you who have uh, not even heard of it. Um, just uh, last week, I published the brand new ebook, How to Study the Bible with Postmoderns. All right, it's an uh, ebook I wrote. It's short, it's only 90 pages, and I share in it not only ideas and theories, I'm talking about my personal experience, guys. So check that ebook out. It's free, and it's not free because it's some cheap thing that I don't value. It's free because I want to begin the conversation there. And and if that's what it takes, then I want to offer that, you know, to you guys as as followers of Jesus, as people who are passionate about the church and about mission to to our secular culture. Check that ebook out, read it up. You can get it for free at thestorychurchproject.com/start. Uh you just put your name and email and it goes straight to your inbox. So check it out. Thanks for listening to this episode and I'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's latest episode of the Story Church Project Podcast. I hope you were blessed. If you haven't yet had a chance, I want to invite you to head over to thestorychurchproject.com and subscribe to the newsletter. Not only will you get the latest updates every week, but I'm also going to send you a free gift straight to your inbox. You don't want to miss it. I'll catch you on the next one.